0: Ronananian Anian. I think Forrest Gump was wrong. I don't think life is like a box of chocolates. I think drivability cars are.
1: My mom always said life was like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to
2: get. The car doctor. You've got to
0: understand that when you're talking to a mechanic, sometimes the worst thing in the world to say is, Here's what's wrong with it. How are you going to fix it? Or, gee, what if that doesn't fix it and instill some doubt into the conversation? Are you stupid or
3: something? Stupid is, stupid does, sir.
2: Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian the car doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage
0: doors are open, but I am here to take your calls. At 855 560 Now, can you believe it? After only five years of playing football, I got a college degree.
2: And now, here's Ronnie.
0: Hey, welcome. Ron Naney and the Car Doctor here at 855-560-9900. Call in, get in, and let's talk about your car's problem, whatever it might be. In the news, recently, just a few weeks ago, there was a conversation, I think it was about a month ago, that the car company uh, Nissan, was called to task by a newspaper out in the Midwest somewhere where they talked about the Nissan Altimas. Does anybody remember this? Show of hands. Yeah, look, a few of them are going up. That the um, uh, Nissan Altimas were rusting out the floorboards. And it was older cars. It was 2002, 3, 4, all the way through 2006 Nissan Altimas. And they were rusting out the floorboards, predominantly on the right side by the passenger seat, And there was a conversation there where people were actually, I got to say it like this, dumb enough to ask for a recall. Folks, the car's 12 to 14 years old. How can you ask for a recall on something that's rusted out and been through 10 or more winters, especially in the harsh Midwest, where they have this thing called salt that melts snow and ice? So we all kind of looked at it and said, well, gee, that just doesn't seem to make any sense. But sure enough... In the, boy, are we just as stupid as the people that want to recall department, Nissan just came out with a service bulletin. And I have to tell you, you'll probably never find this service bulletin because I had to go underground to get it. And um, I'm not really supposed to have it, but that's okay because I've got it in my hands so I can prove it exists when they drag me screaming into court. And it's Nissan service bulletin NTB 15-059, 2002 through 2006, Ultima, and 2004 through 2008, Maxima floor pan repair. Now, you would think they've got something better to do than create a bulletin that talks about how to repair a floor pan on a 12 to 14 year old car that's rusted out after been through harsh Midwest and harsh Northeast winters. Well, I guess they didn't because the bulletin is 13 pages long. The first two pages describe the problem The majority of the bulletin that follows is how to assemble the caulk gun and how to use it in order to do the repair. And when I asked my source why, he said, well, the reason is because a lot of the guys that are probably going to do this bulletin have never seen a caulk gun before, so they're not really sure how to do it. So wait a minute, let me get this right. We wrote a bulletin to solve a problem on what might be the majority of cars that have gone to the junkyard or should be, That is going to repair a vehicle that's rusted out, not to mention what kind of shape is the rest of the 12 year old, 12 to 14 year old car. But we wrote a bulletin, the majority of which explains how to put together a tool that's essential that they should know how to work anyway. And you guys want to know why you can't get your car fixed? Here's the killer. By the way, at the end of the bulletin, if you read it, here's the killer. There is a warranty applicable as a result of this bulletin, it's eligible. Under the provisions of warranty, you want to know what the warranty is? Five years or 100,000-mile rust through. So since the last model year that this was applicable to was 2008, let's see. This is 2015. 9, 10, 11, 12, count with me, 13, 14, we're six years, so guess what? Nobody's eligible under provisions of warranty. But I'm sure if you go down to your local Nissan store and Talk to them about the bulletin, I'll give you the number again, NTB15-059. I'm sure if you get out to your local Nissan store and say you want to know why this isn't a recall and why this isn't for free, somehow they'll manage to talk you into a new car. You think they do this for a reason? Let's get those car sales up. Hello and welcome. Ron and Amy and the Car Doctor live at the helm and ready to go. We're here at 855-560-9900 to take your call and answer your question like we've never answered them before. There's more information about this radio show at cardoctorshow.com. There's an affiliate list there at tunein.com, which there's a link at cardoctorshow.com. And somewhere maybe next week for all of our listeners in New York City. Well, can we talk about that? Well, I got a thumbs up from the control room. So, yeah, the car doctor will be back live in New York City on WRCR, AM 1700, Saturdays, 2 to 4 p.m., and we're looking forward to talking to each and every one of our New York listeners and uh, letting you know that, once again, the car doctor is back on the airwaves to help fix cars in the New York market, just like he's been doing all across the country these past years that um, I won't say it has been banishment, it's... um, it's been a learning curve as we've uh, all learned a little bit more about radio and what it's supposed to sound like and uh, why it works the way it does. You can also find podcasts of this radio show at iHeart.com and iTunes.com. And if you need me during the week, the Car Doctor does make house calls via email, ron at cardoctorshow.com. Let's kick open the garage doors. There's an awful lot going on this hour. There's some giveaways in the next two hours. I can't even talk about that yet. Let me knock a couple of questions off before we go into the first break. Let's go to Mike and Danella, New Jersey. Wants to talk about 2015 Subarus, Mike. Welcome to the Car Doctor, sir. How can I help?
2: Long time no speak. It's a good, uh, good show you got there, and it's uh, a good a learning experience. Thank you for having it. You're, you're welcome, Mike. What's uh, going on? I
1: wanted to talk about
2: I wanted to talk about the Subaru recall uh, and Nissan and the uh, Honda with oil consumption. Okay. Because a friend of mine had just gone out and bought a 15 Legacy. Or an Outback, I'm sorry, with a 2.5 motor. Right. And the dealer the dealer told her, after I explained to her what the deal was, that they had fixed the problem with the rings in the 2015 vehicles. Okay. Had and they, I wanted to know, had you heard of that? No.
0: Ask her, ask her to ask them, how did they do that? Because to my knowledge, the problem oh. still exists. As a matter of fact, if you Google search 2015 Subaru, there's a few of them that are already on the list. And the conversation—if you read into the fine print—in a lot of the articles, they say that the Subarus operate within Subaru specification. You want to know what the specification is, Mike? They tell you—I okay. know what it, it is because I've heard you. Well, they tell you it's okay to burn a quart of oil in three thousand miles or less, and I'm like, boy, that's no specification to me. So, to my knowledge, the problem has not been fixed. But uh, you know, th- that remains to be seen. So, do this: ask your ask your friend to go back to the Subaru dealer. And let's see the bulletin. They came out with a bulletin. Right. Listen, Nissan came out with a bulletin on how to fix a floor pan on a car that isn't even worth fixing in most cases. <laughs> so, you know, I would think they came out with a bulletin that talks about the repair for the oil consumption because the marketing department's going to need to do something to clean up the image, no pun intended, of Subaru if they're getting this battered and this beaten over oil consumption. So I think what we've got to do is uh, we got to call their game. Say, show it. Show us. Show me the money. Show it to me in the fine print. And I bet you they can't.
2: I appreciate. I, I appreciate your time, Ron. Thank You're you. You're so very much.
0: welcome, Mike. You take good care. Let's get over and talk to Steve. Thousand Palms, Florida. Two thousand one Honda Accord he wants to talk about some power door lock issues. Steve, welcome to the Car Doctor, sir. What's going on?
4: Uh, hey, Ron. Uh, yes, sir. you. I appreciate that. Yeah, You're I welcome. got a two thousand Accord, and intermittent, you know, power door lock. You know, when the car's fresh and it hasn't been running or anything else, the doors, they, they will actuate one or two times. Okay. And then the more the more times you do it, the, the, the passenger side stops working at all. Then the driver side still works, and you keep doing it more, and then the driver side completely quits. Okay. Uh, what
0: I would do is I would attack this with the one that stops working first, Steve. So is it the passenger side? There's a four-door car?
4: Yeah, for our car, the passenger side stops working first and then it goes all the way over to the driver's side. The, the driver's side blasts under the stop. And you can take it with the key and put the key in and turn it and, and unlock it. And, and it works, you know, okay, okay until you do it two or three times and then it quits. It's like it runs out of gas.
0: Okay, so and it's, it's passenger side, both actuators on the passenger side? Yes. All right. The way they trip this is they trip that master switch through a body module that sends out a digital signal to all four controllers. I have seen bad body modules. It's a simple... Where's it at? It's buried under under the uh, passenger side of the dashboard, if memory serves me correct. But before we go and try to replace it, what I would do is get a wiring diagram, and I would go at least to the passenger side actuators, hit the button, and test for power and ground or signal to that actuator. If memory serves me correct, I actually use a fuel injection... Noid light as the tester to see if it will light the light. And if it doesn't light the light, then I've got a bad signal coming from the body module or I've got an issue with the master switch. So at least I can work my way backwards. If you had said this is just one that repeatedly dropped in and out, I would tell you you've probably got a bad lock assembly because it's usually the passenger side front door that always fails first on that model Honda. But,
4: yeah, no, when when it when it's fresh sometimes when you start the car and it runs... And, 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 you know they all work one right. or two times. and then the more times you you lock it and lock it, uh, the, the passenger side quits first and then it goes all the way over then to, the, to the to the driver's side.
0: I would grab a I would grab a wiring diagram and start to break it down and start attacking at least the passenger side when it breaks. Or I would go to the driver's side that's working, measure what you have there so you know what you're looking for, then go over to the passenger side and if it's not there, Work the circuit backwards, but don't be surprised if you have a bad module. The other thought is be wary. Sometimes Honda powers the driver's side through the passenger side circuit. So look at the wiring diagram. If there's a broken wire in the passenger front A-pillar, a passenger front A-pillar issue will affect the driver's door circuit. And but it, but I understand they, that I know what you're going to say it it's it takes a while for it to build up it's almost like it overheats before yeah, it fails yeah, right yeah yeah well that's right, that's if, right. if if the wiring in the passenger side a pillar is hanging on by two strands how long before that circuit overheats and doesn't function properly so yeah, be- no, be- no, I, before I, I, we start guessing let's start measuring and let's go look for voltage at some of these actuators and see what we get all right okay. Steve.
4: All right, very good. Thanks, Ron. You're Appreciate
0: very welcome. Very Let me know if I can be of help. Send me an email, ron at cardoctorshow.com. I'm Ron in The Car Doctor, 855-560-9900. I'm coming back right after this. Welcome back, Ron Nini and the Car Doctor. The phone number is 855-560-9900. A lot going on this hour and next this hour. Once again, we're going to be giving away a 39 Ford. Well, a 39 Ford die-cast model from the folks at Wix. Sorry, folks, not a real one. But a 39 Ford to help celebrate the 75 years that Wix has been protecting engines by different filters, engine and oil and oil and air and so forth. And um, that 39 Ford is a 118th scale model hot rod. And it's a replica of one of the most recognized American hot rods, hot rod cars out there. It's a period black paint with custom cream red scallops in each fender, color coordinated interior, and so on. It's a neat little piece and it'll look great on your shelf. So we're going to give that away at some point this hour. Right now, let's do a quick piece of email. This comes to us from Arnie in Columbus, Ohio. Ron, I own a repair shop here in the Midwest. Is Ohio the Midwest? Yeah, I guess so, and um, it's west. It's west of New Jersey, so everything's 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 the Midwest for me. And uh, let's see, uh, Arnie, I own a repair shop here in the Midwest, and I'm having a problem with accessing repair information out in the driveway. As my business is expanding, I need a way to create means for my technicians to look up things about vehicles as customer bringing. Oh, I get it. Yeah, and he wants to know, how are you handling this in your shop? Are you having that problem? Uh, we don't have that problem yet, Arnie, although I can see that's the way of the future with dealers. Uh, I think dealerships are actually creating this with the service lanes, drive in, get out of the car, do the walk around, and you know, take it from there as far as service is concerned. I can see the aftermarket having to face it. I think one of the companies that's got this right or at least going in the right direction, go take a look at all data, All right, All Data has been providing us with service and repair information for so many years, but they've now got a product out there called All Data Mobile. As a matter of fact, we talked about it here on the show about a year ago that allows you to access information within the confines of your shop's wireless or through a data plan if you've got it on a Droid device, I guess, or I'm I'm sure on an iPhone device too. But it's the idea that you can be out in the middle of your shop parking lot with with a, a, a tablet of some type, and look up the vehicle, and walk around, and maybe show the customer bulletins and service schedule and things like that. But All Data has that. You can find more on their website at alldata.com. They have All Data Mobile, which um, is the way of the future for this business. Let's get over and keep those lines going. And uh, thanks for the email, Arnie. I appreciate it. Let's go over to line one. Doing five things at once today. I'm exhausted. Um, let's go over to line one. Let's go talk to Robert Springfield, Illinois. BMW and a 67 Mustang question. Let's see, two for a nickel today, Robert. How can I help you?
2: Thank you for asking. First of all, let me give kudos out to Harry. That guy's amazing. We played telephone tag for two weeks, and we finally connected.
0: Yeah, that's that's and, that's our Harry. He loves everybody. Uh,
2: and I discovered why his picture isn't on your website. He's trying to make you guys look good.
0: Well, is, is, he paid you to say that, right?
2: Yeah. What? Oh no. Of course yeah, not.
0: Yeah. Well, listen. Well, no. Listen, Harry. Harry is a class act, and we couldn't do this show with the level that we're doing it now without him. He's like he one of the essential members of this foursome, and uh, we appreciate having him here each and every day. So and anyway, that's what,
2: why he's what, a good guy. what can I do hey, for you, now, Robert? I, I'm uh, I'm driving a 330i BMW. It's fine. The problem I'm having is with a little arthritis, uh, mostly for the wife, she's going to have trouble getting in and out of the buckets. Okay. So I'm thinking about the X1, the okay. BMW. Right. And it's a little higher off the ground, but my concern is, With that four-cylinder little engine and the dual turbos, I'm worried about it breaking down. I just can't imagine that uh, a little four-cylinder and dual turbos can do the trick. And I think there are invitations for maintenance issues down the road.
0: And And I would be one to agree with you, Robert. You know, just because they make it doesn't mean it's a long-term car. So the first question I have is if you were to buy it, how long would you plan to keep it? Three years, five years, ten years?
2: Yeah, towards the higher end. Yeah,
0: the higher end. Then I would probably say no. You know, it doesn't matter. You could put the best oil in the world. Go get yourself some Pennzoil and put some Pennzoil synthetic in it, and it'll be the best protection you can put in that engine. But with twin turbos and the amount of heat, it is going to require regular maintenance regardless. Now, right. you know, oil and heat just don't get along, so perhaps there's something else. But you know what? If that's what it's going to take to make Mama happy, then, you know, get out to MotorOilReimagine.com, read about the best oil in the world, and uh, go buy her the BMW. Second question well, before the clock the takes second me. question is,
2: I've got a six set Mustang. I try to run it about once a month, and it's got a good battery in it, but I find I have to jump it about every other time. I'm okay. Thinking, I'm thinking about maybe it's getting a little bit battery pack. And doing that little jump, or maybe it's need to get to a new battery. What well,
0: it could be the battery. I mean, listen, if, if it's a stock 67 Mustang and there aren't any electronics in it, I doubt if there's a drain. It's simple enough to test in 1967. But it could be the battery is sulfated if the car sits any length of time like it does. One of the right. things you may want to try is wiring in a solar panel. I'm sure the car is in the garage. And Absolutely. you know, put a solar panel on the side of the garage. Connect a wire through the wall. Connect that to the battery clips, and solar trickle charge the battery. Or, or you know, or or put just put a little trickle charger on it to begin with, and um, you know that might help you just keep the battery a little more active, and that might do it for you as well. Hey, Robert, stay on the line. We're going to send that thirty nine Ford from Wix out your way. You're a car guy, and I think you'll get a kick out of this. It's a replica one eighteen scale. 39 Ford Hot Rod and it's from the folks at Wix celebrating 75 years of keeping America's cars rolling so uh, we want to send that out to your way stay on the line here I'll get your information coming up next David Kim Fallen Patriots Foundation a little bit of a different twist from the car doctor stay tuned And Andy the car doctor here. You know, sometimes we step outside the role of repairing cars. And it's it's a reach as we reach across this country to talk a little bit about some of the things that are in our daily lives and the things that are important. And w- when I came across this, I couldn't help but make a phone call and make the arrangements and bring our next guest on. Um, I think I demonstrated my, my devotion to this cause by the uh, Facebook post a couple of weeks ago where I did the uh, aforementioned 10- uh, 10 uh, push-ups on my knuckles that nobody thought I could do anymore I think I could probably do 20 but let's not push it I'm getting a little old now and um, it's just a pleasure to be here with this gentleman David Kim he's the co-founder and president for the Children of Fallen Patriots Foundation David welcome to the car doctor sir
3: oh, hi Ron thank you so much it's a real honor to be here I appreciate it
0: what can you tell us what is Fallen Patriots for the listeners out there and um, you know just beyond the name what what is this all about
3: Sure. Well, Children of Fallen Patriots was started by my wife and myself to provide college scholarships to military kids who lost a parent in the line of duty. And so that could be combat death, training death, uh, pre 911, post 911, really any line of duty casualty and from all branches of the armed forces. And, you know, our goal is to honor the sacrifice of the people who've, who've given the most for our country and, the, you know, those families who've lost a loved one in the service. We want to honor their sacrifice by, by investing in the future of the people they love most in the world, which are their kids.
0: Right. And David, did this just come to you and your wife in the middle of the night? You woke up at two in the morning and said, hey, let's do this, or, you know, is there a story behind the story?
3: Yeah, well, it came out of a personal experience that I had where uh, I was in the service in the Army, and in 1989, we were sent down to Panama to remove Manuel Noriega from power. And a sergeant that I served with, Delaney Gibbs, was killed in the fighting. And it was about five days before Christmas, and he had a baby daughter due in March. And wow. so that was a really, yeah. yeah, that was a tough blow. I mean, he was only 21 years old. I didn't know him personally, but we we're in the same battalion. And so it was a really tough blow for all of us. And uh, so we wanted to do something to help. And so many years later, we started Children of Fallen Patriots.
0: Yeah. Wow. What a what a What a story. Um, where did the "drop and give me ten push-up" challenge come from? The guy with the aching shoulders asks.
3: <laughs> yeah, so it started really with uh, the kids that we've helped, um, the families, and some active-duty military folks who started this challenge, you know, to do ten push-ups in honor of the people who died defending our country, and and raise awareness and raise funds. And then they challenged other people. And Bear Grylls got wind of it. Um, he's a former British SAS and So he did, he was kind of our first celebrity, and then he challenged uh, Kathy Lee Gifford and Drew Brees, who they both promptly did it and challenged other people, so it's fanned out from there. So it's been really awesome. It's reached a lot of celebrities, uh, a lot of businesses uh, all around the country, media folks like yourself, and then just a ton of grassroots support. So we have a Facebook page to support it, which says hashtag drop and give me 10. So it's the number 10, but drop and give me 10, all, all together, no spaces. Right or um, also a website which is dropping give 10.net. And it's not
0: a matter of, you know, it's not that listen, if somebody has the the thought to do it but physically can't do it, they can have a proxy push-up person, right? So, oh yeah. Yeah,
3: yeah it's just, it's just something to have a lot of fun. We've had right. some grandmothers who did it, who had their little grandson there, you know, doing the push-ups and guys get little babies on their heads and, you know, on their shoulders rather and do the push-ups and we Kathy Lee Gifford if you see her uh her video on there. She actually couldn't do push-ups, so she did them the other way around, where she's kind of facing up and right. on her hands and feet and pushing up and down. Was actually pretty hilarious. Right. So it's just right. a good way for people to have fun.
0: Right. Tell me the tell me the story beyond what we're seeing, David. You know, so what are the success stories? You know, who are the kids? Or have has has the program gotten to the point where where it's actually putting kids through college? Is it is it is it meeting its need or where does it stand as, as far as? Oh
3: yeah. Absolutely. So we have, uh, we've helped quite a lot of kids, 550 kids go to college so far. We've provided about nine and a half million dollars of support to those kids. Uh, So we've made a good start, but we're just getting started. Uh, We've identified about 6,000 kids who will one day need help. And in total, there are around 20,000. No one really knows for sure, but we did a study and we we believe that there's about 20,000 kids who've lost a parent in the line of duty in the military over the last 35 years and so we want to identify all those kids Uh, we found about a third of them I think and we want to make sure that all of them get help to go to college so ultimately the goal is $500 million to send all those kids to college and it's a big goal but it's not it's a very manageable goal because in the world of charitable causes this is it's not a, a a huge number and it's something that all of us you know by doing our small parts can add together to a to a big level of support for these families who've who've gone through so much.
0: You know, it's, it's, I guess, for those out there thinking, you know, well, gee, that's they're the child of a soldier or, or an armed forces individual that's fallen. Wouldn't the government take care of them in government programs and so forth? I've, I've got to think that that's really not the case as the father of a soldier. And I have to watch that she doesn't come into the studio one of these days and um, yell at me for that. She doesn't like for me to admit that. But as the father of a soldier... Um, I see what she goes through, and, you know, I don't know that the support is there for them outside of active duty uh, behind the scenes as this is. Um, is. Is that a fair statement?
3: Well, I, uh, you know, first of all, it just, uh, I just want to thank your daughter for her service. I think it's wonderful what she's done. And um, so this, this generation of Americans is, is truly remarkable who volunteered to serve for the longest war we've ever fought. But um, – you know we're what we're doing it it's 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 a classic case. I believe what's great about America of the private sector stepping up to to meet gaps in the system because the government you know can't do everything right. uh, customer service is not the core competence of government obviously mm. so yeah. while there are a couple of programs that the vA does administer to help uh, these kids that we're're we're, that we're trying to help, that cost doesn't cover. Sorry, the help doesn't cover the full cost of college. There's still a gap for these kids on a persistent basis, and there are also sometimes interruptions in customer service and timeliness of checks and so forth, and so we're needed there to to step in. So on average, the gap is about $32,000 for one student for four years of college. So $8,000 a year is the average gap that we're plugging for these kids to be able to graduate without debt. So it, That's our objective.
0: So fair statement then for everyone out there that's thinking that, you know, as the child of, a, of an armed forces uh, um, uh, member, uh, it doesn't work. And this really is a very real and very well needed um, program. Uh, let's just say it like it, that. Yeah,
3: it, it is. Yeah, absolutely. There is help, but it's not enough. Right. And, it's just not and enough. the families are typically having a, a really hard time. I mean, 97 uh, percent of the time it's the widow. that that survives the mother. She moves back home to rebuild her life. Uh, they pretty much lost the primary breadwinner. Insurance doesn't go really all that far in the grand scheme of things. And, you know, our our families are struggling. I mean, the majority of the families we serve are trying to raise two kids on less than $50,000, and that's not a lot in today's world to pay for college. and So they're, they're very much in need of help. But, you know, the other thing I'd want to point out that I think you guys would want to know is that it's just incredibly inspiring how self-reliant and resilient these families are. Because no matter how hard uh, of a time they're going through, making it through college, you know, their first reaction every single time when we call them on the phone to say that we're here to help, their first reaction is, you know what, I, I can suck this up. You know, I got this. Someone else probably needs the help more than I do. Right, yeah. We've literally had kids that were didn't have eyeglasses to see in college, or didn't, you know, were eating pretty much nothing but ramen. <laughs> We're saying that, and that's a real testament to the character of the people we have in uniform.
0: That's that's the families, right? That's that that's typical military people's response. Um, exactly. Yeah, give it give it to the next guy, David. I want to. I, I'll tell you what. Let me say it like this: for everyone out there listening, the doctor is issuing a drop and give me ten challenge, and uh, if they want to go and participate in this, uh, what's the website again, David?
3: It's uh, drop and give me ten uh, all together no spaces number ten dropping give me ten dot net. Or else on Facebook, it's uh, drop and give me ten. Same thing, uh, hashtag drop and give me ten. All the, uh, all together with no spaces.
0: Perfect, David. I want to thank you for taking the time. And uh, listen, if if you if you need us again, if we have to help help to get the word out again in the next couple of months, or as the program continues to grow and evolve, our door is always open for you guys. Don't hesitate to ask. Just give Fast Harry a call. We'll hook you up.
3: Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. it's a real honor, and I uh, just appreciate all the support from you and everyone else out there who who loves the military.
0: Uh. Yes, sir. God bless our troops. I'm Ronanani in the car, Doctor. We are back right after this. Stay tuned.
4: Welcome back. We're on an in the
0: Car Doctor. I want to thank David Kim from Fallen Patriots, fallenpatriots.org for taking the time today. We um, do anything we can to help our troops and uh, God bless them all and keep them safe. Uh, real quick, by the way, if you're uh, interested and you want to take part in this, you're going to help celebrate the 100th anniversary of General Tire. I'd like to challenge you to come up with some sort of innovative sign. Now, it could be, you know, uh, as part of the Car Doctor Nation, we want to help celebrate the 100th anniversary of General Tire. Something catchy, something quick. Get out to their website, GeneralTire.com. You can read more about it, but they're trying to clue you in or cut you in or bring you in to their 100th anniversary celebration and uh, give you a chance to win some very cool prizes. You can read more about it at their website, GeneralTire.com. And uh, you can also get out to GeneralTire100.com. So uh, by all means, do that and uh, take part in the celebration. Let's get over and talk to Larry, Berkeley Springs, West Virginia, in a 2002 Toyota 4Runner. Larry, welcome to the car, Dr. Sir. How can I help?
1: Uh, Yes, I've got a problem with the check engine light. And when the check engine light comes on, it also disables my stability uh, control. Right. My oh. traction control. I, I, I'm sorry, traction control. What,
0: what fault code is this, Larry?
1: It's a 420 code. Okay,
0: so it's a P0420 catalytic converter efficiency. Anything been done in the way of repair? Any attempts?
1: Yes. Um, uh, after I bought the vehicle, and, and I drove it for about 60, 70 miles or so, and that's when it came on. I took it by my mechanic, and he took a look at it, put it on his computer, and that's when he discovered what the, what the 420 code was. Uh, he said, "Take it to the to Toyota dealer and put it on there because they may have a little bit more updated system." Which I did. They came up with the same thing. He said, "Okay." Uh, I, I took it back to him, and when he looked at the converters, uh, there was there's two of them there. He noticed that they were the wrong converters. Okay. And so the, he put the correct ones in there. I, there's I, I don't don't know all the specifics, but the uh, the. There's one. There's one that's a California converted. One's a federal, and he put the correct ones in there, and uh, they re, he replaced them. They ran about a hundred miles, came back on again. So uh, he he's scratching his head, trying to figure out what's going on. All right. On. So said,
0: let's let's see what we can do here. Um, sure. Uh, original equipment converters, Larry, right from Toyota? Uh,
1: actually, these are CarQuest converters. though. the the gentleman who put them on has been using them for about. 10, 12 years, never had a problem
0: with one. Okay. Well, I got to tell you, I, I'm from New Jersey. Okay. And every one I use never works. So it's you know, <laughs> and I and I'll, I'll say it like that. It's it's something in the air. Now I will say that some of the cats from Walker, if they're a if, they if they are if they are a Walker cat,
1: it is not. Okay. No, I forgot uh, the brand name on it. I don't have it offhand, but it is some Carquest. Okay. Uh, been it, using them forever.
0: it it you know it can be as simple as the cat just doesn't have enough material in it to make the difference. But if we want to diagnose this, there's two ways to look at this. And and here's the danger of using a cat that you know my experience has been the aftermarket cats are typically three quarters the size of the original equipment cat. I mean they're okay. cheaper. There's a reason why they're cheaper. It's the same material. There's just less of it. So if you've got a ten year old vehicle in this case or a Uh, 13-year-old vehicle in this case, and you put a catalytic converter that's only 75% as big as the original one, now the engine's a little tired, it's not burning as clean, it's not running as efficient as it used to be. You're now asking a smaller cat to do the same job as something that's normally larger. So that's a pretty tall task in anybody's uh, checkbook or anybody's uh, tech book, however you want to look at it. If I was going to diagnose this, there's two ways. First, First thing I want to know is, what are the fuel trims? Are fuel trims correct? Do they yes. seem to be, you know, short-term fuel trims cruising down the road should be single digits, yeah. all right? If, yeah. if, if they're single digits, if the rear O2 or the downstream O2 is steady at a, at a half a volt or higher, then we know at least the catalytic converter is holding oxygen and doing its job, all right? That's number one. Number two... There's another method we can do where it's it's a catalytic converter has to be efficient there's a there's a calculated test of at least 70% reduction or efficiency level. The what we're trying to measure here is the amount of emissions or the emissions out of the engine pre-cat and then measure it post-cat. If we're putting in such a large volume of an unbalanced mixture before the catalytic converter, sometimes even an OE cat won't be able to clean it up. So we need to know what emissions are post, uh, pre-CAT and then see what they are post-CAT, and there's got to be at least a 70% reduction across the board. If there okay. isn't, then that CAT's just not doing its job.
1: Maybe. Okay, what they, what they did, too, is they also replaced uh, uh, the O2 sensors with genuine Toyota parts. They had it on, on a couple different machi- machines with a, with a graph on it, and they, uh, they did different things to, che- to check the levels they i think they use some kind of a linkage throttle uh, uh spray and they or they put they sprayed it in one of the vacuum lines and, the, and everything flatlined they said well and it doesn't yeah just a, just a couple milliseconds or whatever everything went back and all the all the readings were correct coming uh coming from the O2 sensor yeah, and, and,
0: and, listen Larry i'm not sure what voodoo they're doing yeah. um there's only two tests i know of one of them is one of them is 70% reduction, and they've got to look at emissions pre and then post-cat and do the math. And if not, then that's it. And the other is fuel trims, and that's about all there is to it. So let them do those, too. If you've got any more questions, shoot me an email, ron at cardoctorshow.com. We're back right after this. back, Ron and Andy and the Car Doctor here. By the way, this was a smoking hot hour. It was so smoking hot, it's probably an appropriate time to talk about this from my new best friend in the whole world, David Gott. David from davidsfamous.com, David's Ice Cream. I used to listen to you on KXEL, but since starting my business, I'm always working on Saturdays, so I podcast and listen. My theory has been that if you make the best product, somewhere and sell it for a reasonable price, fair profit. You'll be successful. I was driving back to Iowa the other day handing out samples and listening to you when it struck me. I should send you some samples. That's right. And David did. And I gotta tell you, it is the best ice cream in the whole world. And we're really looking forward to my new soon-to-be favorite car doctor strawberry so david got davidsfamous.com we want to thank you for the ice cream and uh, the whole crew enjoyed it today we really really appreciate it i'm ron and the car doctor till the next hour good mechanics aren't expensive they're priceless see ya